1: Berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to episode 174 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to give you 14 tips to achieve the perfect marathon taper. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got the Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational, and let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners, and welcome to episode 174. My name is Letty Lundqvist.
2: My name is Ryan, same last name.
1: And you're listening to episode 174 of this podcast. You just threw me off. I didn't realize I said our last name.
2: (laughs) So what's on the agenda today?
1: So on the agenda today is... Something for the people that are running Berlin next weekend and Chicago a couple of weeks after and all these other marathons that are coming up because we're going to talk about the taper and we're going to give you a few tips on how to have your taper be as successful as possible.
2: But before we hop into it, um, you have some other news. It seems running is becoming more and more popular.
1: Yeah, I guess so, right? Because this week was the week for people to sign up for the Boston Marathon.
2: I think, don't the people, you know, they have cutoff times for the Boston Marathon, but it just still depends on how many people apply and what their time's were. Even though you make the cutoff, you might not make the marathon.
1: Yes, so you do have the cutoff times which allow you to apply. However, depending on the number of applicants and all that other stuff, you may not make it in if your cushion isn't big enough. So if your qualifying time is a three-hour marathon as a man and you have a 259 Fifty, you have qualified for it but if there's too many applicants then you might not have enough of a cushion
2: and so the news you were alluding to was
1: so I just got the email and it said that There's a new record set for qualifier applications for the 2024 Boston Marathon in their first year partnership with Bank of America. So the sponsor for the Boston Marathon used to be John Hancock, and now they switched to Bank of America. So I guess that's why they're mentioning that. They're saying that more than 33,000 qualified participants applied for entry during registration week, which that's a big deal. And that's the highest number of qualifiers that they've received since 2019, the year before COVID, where they had 30,458 qualifying entries. So what does that mean for our runners? Don't get nervous. I mean, the last couple of years, no cushion was necessary. Everyone that applied just got in. This might be changing because now, obviously, the borders are all open and even for people traveling from abroad. Now they don't have any trouble anymore getting into the U.S. But who knows what they'll do. Usually there'll be some kind of cushion.
2: So it could be related just to the, you know, more free traveling that we have, or it could be related to more people interested in running. I don't know. I guess you'd have to look up other data.
1: I guess probably a combination of people that started running during COVID and now got faster. And then what you said, traveling again, not having any trouble leaving their countries.
2: I feel like they did have to mention Bank of America just as their sponsor, but it probably had nothing to do with it at this point because... (laughs) Most people probably don't even know that the main head sponsor has changed. I don't know. That is
1: very true. Very true. That's a good point. Unless everyone
2: that went into their Bank of America got a notice that said apply for the Boston Marathon.
1: (laughs) They're doing a good job advertising. Anyway, we're clients of Bank of America, so not to bash on them. I enjoy my travel credit card with them.
2: So, instead of babbling, do you want to get into it?
1: All right, let's do that. Without any further ado, we're now going to speak with Chris Knighton from Knighton Runs in regards to 14 tips for your tape a week. All right, so I'm back on with Chris Knighton from Knighton Runs. Chris, thank you so much for joining me again.
0: Hey, Eddie, thanks for having me back on. Excited to talk today.
1: Yes, excited to talk to you two about the... Topic of tapering, there's a lot of fall marathons coming up shortly. Berlin is less than two weeks away. And then we have Chicago, et cetera. So I asked you to come on because I see in a lot of Facebook groups that there's a lot of people struggling with this taper. People are feeling bad. So we just wanted to create a podcast with 20 quick tips on how to tackle taper, et cetera. And you'd be the perfect person to talk to this about.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. Marathon training takes a really big leap of faith. I always tell my athletes that you're never going to be quite sure if you're going to be able to accomplish your goal until race day um, because of just some of the ways that that marathon training works. Um, but the taper is a huge part of it. And when you've gone through good training and gone through a good taper, you will be able to accomplish your goals on race day. So yeah, let's get into it. How do you do that?
1: Exactly. Because everyone is stressed out. And now we don't just have the stress of the marathon coming up, but also we have less training than you had before. You have more time on your hands. And what do we do when we have more time on your hands? We start worrying, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But it's during this taper period that really all your hard work emerges, your true fitness comes out and you finally let go of all that fatigue that you felt through the past couple of weeks of peak training and maybe maybe months, because I know it's been a long journey for, for many of you getting to this marathon. And, you know, because of the taper, because of this reduction of what you're doing, you will be able to do kind of huge things, you know, things that you you never thought you could accomplish before until your race day when you do it.
1: Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about this taper phase. How long should the taper phase last? And what percentage of reduction of, running do you have your athletes do?
0: Yeah. So the whole point with the taper is you want to reduce how much running you're doing for a limited amount of time so that you freshen up your legs and and you're not tired going into your race. You want to feel 100%, 110% even on race day. So, to do that, you need to rest a little bit before race day, but you don't want to rest too much and you don't want to rest for too long because if you do that, you'll actually lose fitness. So, what you're trying to accomplish with the taper is resting enough that you actually get a, a super boost to your fitness. You know, you're you're, you're able to rest, recover, heal from all the hard training you've done, freshen up your legs, feel 110%, but not rest so long or so much that then you start to actually lose fitness from detraining. So how long should this be and how much of a reduction in your running should you do? Well, I can give some some rules of thumbs and share what I typically teach, but but know that this is, this is certainly not an exact science, and it's something that you're going to want to uh, experiment with from race to race to figure out what works best for you. But I will say something: to keep in mind. So it takes about ten days for any workout you do to be internalized into your body and grow strong, and and heal and grow stronger to benefit from that workout. So if you do your last hard workout about 10 days about a week and a half before your marathon, you'll be tired from that workout, but you'll have time to recover and grow stronger and benefit from it. If you did that hard workout within 10 days of your marathon, you're unlikely to benefit from it and you may be tired out from it by the time it, it by the time your marathon actually comes around. So I like to generally structure people's tapers as about a week and a half because and put their last hard run about a week and a half before their marathon. So uh, let's just think about how this would look. Most people, are they're doing their marathons on a Saturday or a Sunday. The week of that race, the week leading up to that race is going to be quite easy. But then the week prior to it will be quite easy as well. And you may just have one workout about 10 days prior, maybe on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And that would be your last hard workout. Everything after that would be, would be, um, much, much easier running. So 10 days, about a week and a half. That's kind of what I like to do. Usually when people talk about two week tapers, this is what they're talking about. Um, some people, May want to do a three-week taper, but I think that uh, when you do that, you risk actually detraining yourself too much. Uh, but we can we can talk about the risks of that if you want, Letty. But um, yeah, about a week and a half is is how long it should be.
1: Yeah, let's talk about those risks. <laughs>
0: There's a lot of things that go on in people's head during the taper period. Um, you know, people have been training hard and going close to 100 for for potentially months, doing as much as they can, and now. In this final two weeks leading up to the race, you're now being asked to do significantly less. Um, One of the questions you asked was how much less should you do? I think as a good rule of thumb, do about 50% less per run. So in that last week and a half, you're going to cut all of your runs by about half. going to do only about half the distance that you would normally do each day in that final week and a half leading up to your marathon. All of a sudden, now people maybe have a bit more time on their hands. Maybe the runs that used to take an hour a day are now only taking half an hour a day. Um, maybe you're taking one or two extra rest days in there as well. And um, often doubts kind of pop up into people's head during this time. You know, they've, like I said earlier, marathon training does take a bit of a leap of faith. One of the reasons why marathon training works is this whole concept of of what's called cumulative fatigue it's it's the fact that every workout or run you go into you're a little bit tired from the run before and this means you don't start any run fresh this is why you probably aren't going to do a 26 mile run in the lead up to your marathon you may only do 18 or 20 or something like that but you can still do 26 on race day because on race day you're actually going to be fresh you're not going to be tired at all but same thing with pace. Maybe you did some marathon pace, long runs, maybe you did eight miles, 10 miles, 12 miles, maybe a little more at marathon pace, but you're wondering how the heck am I going to be able to do 26 on race day? Um, well that's because all throughout training, you've been tired and you've just been cramming in as much as you can. But during this taper phase, you'll rest, you'll freshen up. Your, your fitness will emerge to its its peak level. You'll be 110% on race day. You'll be able to do it. Um, but but it but people have doubts during this phase because because just the way marathon training works you don't know if you're 100% ready until race day until it, you actually have the opportunity to prove it and test it um, i think with experience and the more marathons you run and follow a process like this so you kind of learn to trust the process and know that it works uh, but for first time marathoners you just kind of need to make sure you're following a good program and have faith in that program and uh, try not to worry about it too much but uh you you had asked or we had talked about you know how long should the taper be and it's this balance of resting enough so you feel your best but not resting so much so that you detrain so that's why i like to generally keep it fairly short about a week and a half two weeks that's enough time anyone listening to this uh, it's enough time for you to freshen up and feel your best but it's not too long to lose any fitness people often in the in the taper worry that maybe they are losing fitness because they're not trying super hard during this time um you know just just looking at all the people who marathon train successfully for years and years and years, we can just look at them at evidence that you're not going to lose fitness. Um, you can take a week off of training and completely and not really lose any significant fitness. You can take two weeks completely off training, no running at all, and maybe you lose like a couple percent. It's not a big deal. And one of the things with the taper is you are still running. You are still maintaining your consistency. You're just doing a bit less. So by maintaining your consistency throughout the taper, You're still running, you're still going through the motions. You're not, um, you're not forgetting how to run. You're not uh losing the muscle memory, you're not you're not losing fitness in any way. The only thing that you're doing is giving your legs an opportunity to rest. Um, let your let your body heal from all the hard training that you've been doing and get stronger from all that. And in that week and a half or so that you're tapering, that's yeah, when you're gonna reach your peak fitness. You have to take that rest to reach that highest level of fitness.
1: Perfect, thank you, Chris. And I really like that you explained that thoroughly. And I just want to add to this that we should not, and I hope you agree with me, listen to your Garmin during that time because the Garmin has feedback that it gives us runners where it says sometimes we're maintaining, sometimes we're recovering, sometimes we're being productive, sometimes we should get up and move. And I know ideally we all want to see the Garmin saying peaking a couple of days before your race, but highly likely that might not happen because now you're doing less. And so it might say detraining and all that. Would Would you agree with me on that one?
0: Yeah, I really don't like that feature. Anyone listening to this who has that feature on their Garmin, I highly recommend you turn it off and never use it again it does not know what you're doing as a runner and has no idea what stage of training you're in so uh my athletes comment on that stuff all the time you know uh you might do a run you might do a really hard run and then it tells you something like you know this run was underperforming or like you went harder last week it's it's nonsense just turn it off
1: yeah don't listen to the government.
0: Are you looking for the perfect apparel that mirrors your love for running? Look no further than Run Swag, the go-to store by runners for runners. From witty tees to hoodies that commemorate your marathon majors to crops that get you motivated, Run Swag's got you covered. Discover the perfect blend of comfort and style. Visit www.runswag.com. Run Swag, there's something for every runner.
1: So with that, let's hop into 20 training peaks that everybody can note down in order to help you taper properly if you don't have a coach and also help you feel better about your upcoming marathon because there's nothing better than being in a good mental place before a race.
0: Yeah, let's get into it. Do you want to weed us off?
1: Sure. So tip number one, it's kind of what we already talked about, but stick to your training plan.
0: Yeah. Uh, Follow the schedule outlined by your plan. Don't try to come up with a new way to do it (laughs) last minute. Stick to a plan that works. You need to have faith in your program. Having faith in what you're doing, the plan you're doing, and not screwing around with it is one of the most important things you can do as a runner to succeed.
1: Yes. And it's surprising to me that even though a lot of us have done a lot of marathons. We still start questioning ourselves during this taper time. I've seen questions about how the taper is going and how badly people feel in a Facebook group that is for sub three marathoners. So if they have doubt, I'm sure everyone else does, but I guess the key would be to stick with, you know, your coach's plan or the plan that you have decided to follow.
0: Yeah. You got to trust what you're doing in the moment. And, uh, the time for questioning whether your training plan was perfect or not is after the race is done, not in the middle of it. You got to have faith in the process.
1: Yes. And another tip would be to reduce the volume and not the intensity. And we haven't really gotten into that a lot. We just said, you know, reduce it by about 50%. But just to remind people, why should we not reduce the intensity of our runs?
0: Yeah. So you don't you don't want to you don't want to start running slow during the taper. You don't want to think like, oh, I'm just going to jog super slow during this phase. Cause I'm trying to save energy for, for your race. Um, You want to run the same speeds that you ran all throughout training so keep your easy days easy keep the workouts that are in there appropriately hard at the intensity they should be just do the same thing the only variable you want to change is you're just going to be running less mileage less time out there each day um that's because you're not trying to change who you are as a runner the only thing you're trying to dial down is just you know, how, how much impact are, is your legs receiving? Um, so that when you get to the starting line, you feel like you can run 26 miles and you feel like you can run them as fast as you want to.
1: What happens just to play devil's advocate? Why should we not just slow down completely?
0: Um, people will often feel sluggish if all they're doing is slow jogs. Um, one of the best things you can do in your training is have that variety of, you know, faster strides, faster tempo workouts, faster interval workouts, that kind of thing. And that variety is good because it it uh it just keeps you in tune with all the different training paces and it it keeps it um you're you're gonna feel comfortable running all those different speeds when you touch on them regularly if all you do is jog for like two weeks leading up until your marathon and then you need to run faster in your marathon if you have a more aggressive pace it's just going to feel like more of a shock to the system so you want to maintain your normal training frequency uh maybe do a, a workout with a little bit of marathon pace the week of your marathon leading into it just so you stay in touch with that training intensity and and what it feels like to move your body that fast
1: perfect thank you for that so tip number three let's talk about the importance of maintaining a balanced diet
0: yeah i think it's it's more important than ever during the taper um all throughout training having a healthy and and balanced diet that works well for you is going to support your your uh the demands placed on your body and help you perform your best but i think during the taper especially the more effort and intention that you can put on these aspects that are going to support your recovery, things like sweep and diet, hydration, for example, they're only going to help you feel your best when it comes to race day. Um, there's a whole nother topic of carbo loading that we probably shouldn't get into today because it's a whole different topic. Um, but this may be a time where you want to focus on certain types of foods as well to make sure that you feel your best and have the most energy at your marathon.
1: Perfect. Thank you. And along with that, with the healthy diet, I guess we should be talking about hydration as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, marathoning is a very dehydrating event. Uh, even when you f- drink water throughout the event, you can expect to have your body become a little bit dehydrated. Uh, if you've ever weighed yourself before and after a long run, you, you'll you notice a pretty drastic difference in weight. And often that's from sweat loss. Um, you just want to make sure that you start your marathon well hydrated so that you you don't struggle from dehydration. Even the smallest amount of dehydration in your body is going to drastically defect, uh, um, drastically, Reduce your performance. And that's one of the the biggest struggles in that final six miles, you know, after mile 20, where people starting to hit the wall, that's, that's often because dehydration is starting to affect them. So just make sure you enter uh, the, the starting line. as hydrated as you can be.
1: Perfect. And we should be practicing that anyway during summer running. And, you know, like they say, the training runs are what we're supposed to do. So just maintain that hydration. Um, let's talk about sleep and prioritizing sleep. How much more, if any, should we sleep during marathon week if we can, if we don't have kids and we train in a vacuum? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh I mean, as much as as much as yeah. sorry, as much as you physically can. I mean, sweep is the number one thing you can do other than running to become a better runner. If you think about, you know, running higher mileage makes you a better runner, sweeping more quality hours makes you a better runner. The more you run, the harder you train, the more you need to sweep to balance that and during the taper phase you are decreasing the amount of running that you're doing but you want to make sure that you're still getting as much sleep or more if you can just to tip the scales towards recovery and make sure you feel your best on race day Um, i will say that um, often with marathons people are maybe traveling to a new place or staying in a hotel the night before and their sleep schedule might get a little screwed up Sometimes the night before a marathon your sleep schedule is screwed up because it's an early start, or you're just anxious and have trouble sweeping. Um, one bad night sweep is not gonna ruin your marathon. Plenty of people have run one great marathons with having a bad night's sweep the night before. I, I remember famously um Meb Kofleski when he won the Boston Marathon. Got, said he got no sweep the night before. He was just totally stressed out, but he still won the Boston Marathon. So don't worry about it. Just make sure you get good sweep leading up to the race in the week prior and you're going to set yourself up for success.
1: That's a great tip. So maybe while you are in the taper phase, just set yourself an alarm. And instead of watching that one last episode of a show that you really want to watch, just turn it off and try to go to sleep and you know accumulate that sleep to have a nice sleep balance. So, along with sleep, let's talk a little bit about active recovery and tips for that subject.
0: yeah. Um, I mean, i think I think in general, the goal with the the marathon is in the taper is getting there feeling your best. So, you want to make sure that you take care of any minor aches and pains that you have during this phase. Um stay loose. If you do feel like, the reduction of running is making you feel sluggish or anything like that. It's okay to be active a little bit. You know, you can go out for walks. You can do a little bit of cross training if you want. Um, you just want to try to stay loose and feeling your best. And, um, you know, don't, don't go overboard. Try to stay off your feet generally during this phase. But, uh, you know, you don't need to be a couch potato for two weeks too. You can still live an active life.
1: Yes, perfectly said. So how about your tips for strength training, people that do strength train? How much should you reduce it? Should you completely give it up for the last two weeks or a week and a half prior to the marathon?
0: Yeah, I would say in the in the taper phase, you're definitely going to want to reduce the intensity of the strength training you're doing, especially if you're doing anything more challenging, like lifting weights. If you're just doing s- simple things like bodyweight exercises, core exercises, um, you know, things like planks and push ups and that sort of stuff, you can kind of just keep on with it. Um, but, you know, do know that, yeah, you're probably not going to benefit from any strength training done within the final 10 days of your marathon. It may just help maintain some consistency. So, kind of like the running if you want to keep it up, you could just do a little bit less. Maybe if there's a routine you like to do, you could just kind of cut the number of reps in half, something like that, just like you're doing with your running. And then in the final three or four days before your marathon, um, just I, I would stop doing it. And really in those you know last few days, just really focus on resting and being your best.
1: Yes. Do not show up at the starting line sore. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about race visualization. Now that you have more time, you're running less. What are your thoughts on race day visualizations?
0: Yeah, I think this can be really, really powerful. Um, you're going to have some extra time and you may have some some worries creep up during, during the taper. I think that rather than focusing on doubts and negatives, you should try your best to try to channel that energy into focusing on positive outcomes through through race visualization thinking about everything you've done this far and now what you're gonna do on race day so um one thing that i i think is highly (laughs) helpful to do i i actually did this before i set my pr in the half marathon um and before the first time i qualified for boston um i just wrote down my number one goal which uh, was a performance-based time goal for these races. I wrote that down on a piece of paper on my desk and at the beginning of the taper. And every single day uh, during the taper, I looked at it and I read it out loud. And I said, you know, for, for me, it was I will run 117 in the half marathon. I know I can do it. And for the marathon, it was I will run under three hours in the marathon. I know I can do it." And I literally just looked at it and read it every single day. And um, it instilled a sense of confidence in me where I believed it and I trusted it by the time the day came around. And I didn't have any doubts in my ability at that point because each day throughout the taper, I was um, confidently reaffirming my goal and and i and i believed it i I truly did um and with race visualization you know you should have you should develop a plan for your race you should think about what it's going to feel in each stage of the race you should think about you know what the start's going to be like um what the beginning of the race is going to be like how that's going to feel how you're going to want to pace yourself um You're going to think want to think about the middle of the race you know maybe when the crowds thin out a little bit or it starts to get a little bit hard how are you going to feel what are you going to do uh you know as you get to kind of the barrier of the wall mile 16 to 20 how is that going to feel what are you going to do what are the possible outcomes and how are you going to respond to them if you literally just take 10 minutes and in your head think 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 through this and just visualize it and visualize it in a positive way. Like what's the positive outcome you want? What do you want to happen? Um, how, you know, how are you going to increase your pace at, or increase your effort as it gets harder, um, think of yourself taking in the gels, going through the water stations, all that stuff. I think it's really, really helpful. If you've played through the whole race in your mind, then on race day, you just need to, to follow the script that you've already written for yourself. And if you've done all the training and your training indicates that you can do the race and you've thought it through mentally and have a plan, the two just need to come together and it will be much, much easier. So I think this is a really powerful tool that that you can, you can do.
1: Yes, I was just going to second that. The tool seems to be so powerful. There's so much about mental training that we don't really know right because we can have a gauge for how fast our runs are we know the time but we have no idea how to measure or put a number of where our mental status is at least at this point in life so i feel like anything like that especially during the taper phase where you're feeling so badly is super helpful
0: yeah so um i actually if anyone's listening to this and wants to listen to an example of a race visualization um i did a a podcast on my own podcast where I I did a race visualization, I shared it uh, prior to my one of my recent marathons. Um, So I will I will send that link to Letty. And if you want to include it in the show notes, you could you can check it out there.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm going to include that in our show notes for runners to listen to. So let's move on to the next tip. Another one that you should or could be doing right now if you haven't done so yet is you could test race gear and practice running in the equipment that you have.
0: Yeah. So um, hopefully you've been testing a lot of this throughout marathon training and some of your your longer runs and faster workouts as well. Um, so maybe some of your marathon paced runs if you were doing those. Uh, but during the taper is definitely a good time to test out some of like your last minute pieces, like what specifically, you know, what clothes are you going to wear? Um, are you going to maybe bring some kind of water container with you like a handheld bottle or a belt or something like that um you know make sure this stuff works for you before you get to race day because you don't want to have any surprises at all with your gear you know you don't want something to chafe or like a water bottle that really be frustrating you in the race uh on race day and you weren't aware of that i actually just had a kind of embarrassing experience um but this was good because i learned i went to a uh tune-up race last Monday. It was like a half marathon that I was doing. And I wore a pair of shorts that I, I race shorter distances in, but I usually don't race longer distances in. Uh, but since this was a longer event, I had put a bunch of gels in there. And the gels were like really weighing down the shorts and I don't have a good like waistband in there. And they were just like bouncing and I felt like my pants were falling down. It was really awkward and uncomfortable and annoying, um, but I'm glad I figured that out like in training and more of a low key half marathon than if I went to the marathon and I felt like my shorts were literally falling down the whole race because <laughs> i never tested this before. So make sure everything is totally dialed in before race day. Um, If you're going to wear special shoes for your marathon, maybe a new pair of shoes. Make sure you break them in with like one or two runs before race day. Don't wear a totally brand new shirt or shoes or something like that on race day and you'll be good.
1: I love this. And I love this example that you gave, especially because I had a similar Encounter, I didn't have it during a race day, but you know how everyone wears these belts and you can put mm-hmm. your phone in it and your car key and everything is perfect. And while you're training, it might work for you. But then when you're really going for it and you're going a certain pace, I'm sorry, I have yet to find a belt that doesn't start bouncing or riding up on me.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: that's exactly what happened. I was running with this belt that I usually love. And I realized, you know what? I can wear these during my easy pace training runs, even the faster pace training runs. But during a race, there wouldn't be anything more annoying than having this belt right up on you and then just bouncing around.
0: Yeah. Uh, Another one, like I run with a handheld water bottle usually on longer runs when it's hot and I can run easy pace i can run you know like kind of a steadier pace close to marathon pace with that thing but there's no way i can do a marathon with that water bottle like the extra weight in my arm the the fatigue of carrying it the swashing sound of it i i no way i could carry that thing in a marathon um and you wouldn't want to find that out on marathon day so just make sure you've practiced running at pace with your gear um all that sort of stuff you don't want any surprises on race day
1: Absolutely. I'm glad we brought that one up as a tip. Another tip that we have is, well, I feel I have mixed feelings about this, right? There's a tip that we have on our list that's called stay informed. And it basically means that we familiarize ourselves with race logistics, including the course, starting time, location. I agree with everything except for, for me mentally, I cannot prepare myself with the course because then I know how much is left. And I think it comes from a place of fear, right? Because Mm -hmm. I don't really want to know. I want to just kind of be new to it and then not have, you know, a certain intersection serve as a reminder how much longer I have left. But I can see how that would help.
0: Yeah, this is a tricky one. I don't know if there's really a right answer. Um, There's... Certainly courses or events where maybe you could say it's advantageous to know the course. I mean, Boston Marathon is a great one. Um, Knowing the hills and what they're actually like from experience, I think, is valuable. But on the flip side, if it's your first time training for something like the Boston Marathon or, you know, hey, this is the fall. We got New York City Marathon coming up. Um, people might tell you like New York city marathon, the bridges are huge. They're like really, really hard to get over They might totally psych you out, but until you've actually run that race, you don't know what it's truly like. So, and it's very hard to tell this just from watching race video or um, looking at online. So yeah, sometimes I think like overanalyzing the course is a little too much And going in blind can be really helpful sometimes, as long as you trust yourself to make good decisions in the moment.
1: Exactly. So do what's best for you, and just be aware that not even the pros really make the correct decisions. I mean, look at Kipchoge running Boston. Mm-hmm. I know he says he had a hamstring issue. Did he really? We don't know. Yeah. And maybe it was that crazy course.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You is you want a basic understanding of like what the logistics are. You don't want to show up late to the race. You want to get there early and stuff like that. Um, but don't feel like you need to overanalyze every little thing uh sometimes there's benefits to just trusting in your ability to figure out it all on the fly
1: exactly which brings us to our next tip that we have on our list which is to taper your mental focus and try to reduce mental fatigue by avoiding overthinking maybe you as a coach have some tips Mm -hmm. or what do you tell your athletes when it comes to that
0: yeah um Avoiding overthinking your race. I mean, this kind of builds on what we were just talking about. Uh, Racing is such a simple sport. Running is such a simple sport. Road racing, it's, I mean, it's so simple. I mean, you have a basic plan for what you're going to do, you know, maybe break the race down into different parts. I always teach this concept of the three Cs. And generally for the marathon, you know, it might be something like stay comfortable in the first half marathon, uh 13 miles build your confidence from 7 or sorry from 13 to 20 uh that's a 7 mile stretch there that's the middle of the race and set yourself up to jump over the wall and run strong in those last 6 starting at mile 20 so in mile 20 you're going to flip your script from being uh you start com- you start comfortable at the beginning confident in the middle and then you become competitive at the end starting at mile 20 after you've set yourself up to jump over the wall and got past that Uh, that's a simple strategy. It can work really, really well. There's not that much more you need to worry about. You just need to follow your plan, trust in your training. And, you know, generally running is simple enough where if you've done the training and you can uh, pace yourself well, you're going to do what you're capable of. Uh, There's not, you know, they say, they say, like, one of the things that makes running kind of boring as a professional sport is like, There's no like interceptions or um like no one gets like tackled or something in the middle like it's just the fittest person usually wins and the smartest or the smartest racer who's also the fittest person usually wins. There's not that many surprises, so just uh, you know know what you're capable of and then set yourself up to do that.
1: Exactly, and I kind of want to touch on that because it's a mantra that you have established for your business and also for your runners, which is. Comfortable, confident, and competition?
0: Yeah, uh, I call it the three C's of racing, and it's comfortable, confident, and competitive. And as you move through really any distance race, those are the three stages of the race. That you want to break the race into, break it into those three parts, and think that word whether it's comfortable at the beginning, confident in the middle, or competitive in the end. That's your mantra through each stage of the race, and it keeps you kind of on task for what you should be thinking and doing in that stage of the race to to perform your best.
1: Yes, and if you want to kind of use that mantra, go ahead and do that. Chris has bracelets that are reminder bands with that mantra on there so while you're racing you can look at those and um we'll probably post those as well in our show notes cool and then we have a couple more tips that are very basic staying positive and enjoying the taper i don't think we have quite 20 tips but as, that's it's pretty close i'm going to count them afterwards but let's talk about staying positive during this taper and enjoying it
0: yeah uh i mean first off to get to the beginning of the taper is the success in and of itself marathon training is really hard very few people do it to to the level that we're speaking of today where you know they've really gone hard they followed a whole training cycle they've gotten to the taper healthy uh and ready to rest and run their best on race day that in itself is a huge win and you know you should feel thankful and hopefully you enjoyed that whole process up until now, really the taper phase is, you know, where you can rest and relax. And, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're ready for race day now, like the hard work is done at this point and you're just, uh, you're kind of just like waiting, resting, biding your time. I always enjoy the taper. I always enjoy time off of running too, because I know that it's all just part of the process. Um, and it's it's a good thing for you so i mean positivity is so important with this stuff uh and i'm not always the most positive person but i know that i mean uh your 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 mental outlook towards something has a huge impact on how well you do and how you're going to feel about it so um eh, yeah stay positive and know you're doing the right thing by resting you really can't rest i'll say this You can definitely train too hard in the taper, go too hard. It's unlikely you're going to do too little. So just cut yourself some slack and enjoy it.
1: Exactly. And if you are not in your taper phase yet, just know that the taper phase is coming. So that'll help you do your workouts really well, knowing Mm -hmm. that you have that. And then celebrate even getting there because you've completed 16 to 20 weeks of marathon training, which is a lot. Yep. And unfortunately with a marathon you only have one chance, right? You do a whole training cycle and you mm-hmm. go do one race. It's not like you can do a redo because 26 miles puts a lot of stress on your body. Mm-hmm. So being aware that weather and other factors such as the course or even just the place you are at in life can sometimes hinder a successful marathon completion, but just, you know, luckily most of us are not professional runners if you're listening to this podcast. And so it's just part of life and learn from it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that concludes our tips for the marathon taper. Do you have anything else, Chris, that you wanted to have our listeners hear?
0: You know, the, the, the taper is an essential part of marathon training. After you've done the hard work, it's the time where you just kind of let that settle for like all your hard work settle for a little bit your full fitness comes out you you peak for this one day that maybe you've you've been working towards for five months or something like that and uh taking this taper seriously and following the tips that we outlined today is going to let you reach that peak level of fitness going to let you be your best on that one specific day like you just said letty um so you can enjoy it and uh yeah, the hard the hard work is done at this point. You've you've earned the rest. And if you've gone through all your training, yeah, you you've you deserve to have a good race. So trust the process, trust your training, and have fun with your upcoming marathon.
1: Exactly. Good luck to everyone. And if your marathon should not go the way you wanted it to go, and you feel like you need a training coach, Chris, can you maybe tell us where people can find you?
0: yeah if anyone uh likes listening to what i have to say here you can reach out to me on my website it's dot um i have r- two different ways i help folks i help both through one-on-one coaching um, for for marathon runners and road runners in general and i also have a brand new marathon training program that i'd like to share for anyone who's listening to this uh so i have been coaching one-on-one for about the past four to five years and I put together a training program called the Complete Marathon Training Program that's available on my website now. Uh, basically, you'll get training plans very similar to the ones that I've developed that I work with my athletes one-on-one to kind of follow all the concepts that we talked about here today and on the past episodes. And I've got kind of beginner, intermediate, and advanced plans in there, as well as accompanying strength work and a whole bunch of videos that explain every aspect of what you're doing throughout training so you know if you're looking for maybe a plan that you can follow or a comprehensive program you can follow uh on your own for your next race you could check that out and since i just released it i do have a special coupon code i can share if that's okay letty it's uh launch 50. And that's only valid until the end of September, September 30th. But if you go to nightandruns.com and use the code launch50, you'll save 50% off the training program. And uh, I think you'll like it. I worked really, really hard on it. And uh, yeah, it's everything I've really learned and, and taught my one-on-one athletes over the past four or five years, kind of packaged all together in one bundle that you can get and, and follow on your own. So check that out if you're interested and uh, use that code watch 50 to save 50%.
1: Perfect. And we'll link that also in our show notes. And thank you, Chris, so much. And I guess I will see you in Chicago.
0: Um, yeah, we'll have to connect. All right. Take care.
1: Thank you, Chris, for going through this list of tips. We hope that everybody got something out of that. And of course, we want to wish you good luck on your upcoming marathon. If that's Berlin, let us know on Instagram. We love following those race stories. If it's Chicago, reach out to us because we're going to be there as well. And with that, have a great week of running and good luck on your races. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us and as always, have a great week of running.